I would pray that every single person would become a prayer warrior. That before we leave this place today, you could take the hand of the person beside you and intercede with them and for them. And that by the end of that, to know that you could leave with double than what you came in with. It's Scripture. And we're not going to do that today so that we do leave with double. But we're going to leave today knowing that we did it because it's what His Word has asked of us. Amen. Are there facilitators in the house today that says, God, whatever you need to do, God, if it's in me, if it's through me, whatever it may look like, God, I want you to work today. There are people here today that need a touch from God. There's people here today that need salvation. There are people here today that need a touch. God, that only you can give. But God, I pray there would be some facilitators in the house this morning that would say, whatever I can do, whatever I can contribute to see that my brother or sister sees that redemption, whatever I can do to make sure that lost loved one beside me could find an altar today and find a place to repent and be born again. God, I'll do whatever is necessary because our souls depend on it today. Amen. God is already working today we had one already received the gift of the Holy Ghost in the prayer room this morning before church ever started in here went to the hospital on Friday to see Sister Egla and from the last time I'd walked in that hospital to this time when I tell you when I came around the corner and saw her sitting up in the bed with her eyes open and smiling and said, I'm so happy to see you. I said, oh, I'm so happy to see you. Amen. They had her a notepad there and she could write and point and let you read whatever she had to say and they've been letting Brother Michael and her family get a marker and write things back to her and she's been communicating back and forth. They're moving her as of last night to a different floor where they're going to begin rehabilitation and God has been so good. The first nurse that came by while we were standing there, he said, you just don't know how good this has made us feel. He said, because the last few weeks have been hard and they've been tough. And he said, and when I left Sunday, when we took her off of sedation and pain medication, I was not expecting to see this when I came in today. He said, I, I just, he said, when, when all the nurses talk about that room. This is his words. He said, there are angels in that room because there's a different presence there. Amen. Then the doctor comes by and he says, when we took her off all the oxygen and stuff yesterday and started letting her breathe on her own, I'd originally told you I was going to put her back on in the night and give her rest. We never put her back on because she's, she's doing so well. He said, I don't, I, I, I'm, I'm stunned. I don't have words today because 
I was, I, 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 was, I was not expecting this. I was not expecting this. Yeah. I'm reminded of the song we sing, They Don't Know You Like We Do. Amen. They don't know you like we do, God. And I am thankful that He is still in the miracle working business. I'm thankful that our God is here today moving. He's alive and well. And He wants to do something in the house of the Lord today. Amen. If you would turn with me in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 9. Also we'll be reading from Matthew chapter 20. Amen. Matthew chapter 9, begin reading verse 35. It says, And Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel. How many of you love the gospel? They love preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted. And they were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Then saith he unto his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers into the harvest. All over our world today, every I walk into a building or drive by a sign on the side of the road. I see now hiring, looking for help, hiring managers, janitors, cooks, busboys, servers, hostess. We need your help because we are finding ourselves in a difficult time and we are lacking that help. The need is there. The people are coming wanting to be fed and wanting to be taught and wanting to have a place to sleep, but we are lacking the help that we need. Hotels are unable to clean rooms every day because of no help. Airliners, hospitals, all having to change things up because of lack of help. The need is there and great, but the laborers are hard to find. And I'm sure today there are many reasons for this, and we're not going to debate those today. But when you see the spirits that are at work, it does become alarming to you. Jesus here is obviously not talking about unemployment rates at the marketplace. But He is referencing the lack of help and the laborers and those willing to answer the call of God. To say, God, whatever you need me to do, I'll do it. If it is a busboy, if it is a greeter, if it is an usher, whatever it is, God, I will answer the call. And the truth has never changed that harvest will never be reaped unless there are reapers to reap it. Matthew chapter 20, beginning at verse 25, But Jesus called them unto Him and said, Ye know that the princes of the Gentiles... They exercise dominion over them. And they that are great exercise authority upon them. But it shall not be so among you. But whosoever will be great among you, let him be your minister. 
And whosoever will be chief among you, let him be your servant. Even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. In the Passion Translation, it says, You will lead by a completely different model. The greatest one among you will live as the one who is called to serve others. Because the greatest honor and authority is reserved for the one with the heart of a servant. For even the Son of Man did not come expecting to be served, but to serve and give His life in exchange for the salvation of many. Today, for just a little while, with the help of the Holy Ghost, I want to talk to you on this subject. Leading by a different model. Leading by a different model. Father, we love you today. We thank you for your many blessings. We thank you for your presence that we feel so strongly in the house today, God. Sensing that you want to do something great. But God, I pray first that there be somebody in the house that would be willing to lift their hands and say, God, if you're looking for a laborer, God, look no further than right here. God, I'll do whatever you need me to do. I know I've said it before, but I recommit my life again today, God, that if somebody else's soul depends on it, if my family's lives depend on it, God, if my own soul depends on it, God, today I will labor for you. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. You can be seated in the house of the Lord today. I believe wholeheartedly today that the reason for the few labors lies in the direct context with the request of James and John in our second reading. For Mark said it like this when James and John approached Jesus. They said, we would that thou shouldest do for us whatever we desire. We want you to do us a favor. We want you to work in us. And many people attack their words. But I wonder today, how is that different than sometimes how we come to God and approach God in our prayer life? When we come to God, do we come to Him with different things to say? Or do we come to God and say, God, I need you to do this. And I need you to do that. And I need you to help me out with this situation. And, and God wants to do that. If not, He would not provide new mercies every day. He wants to be a blessing to your life. He wants to be your friend. He wants to be your Savior. They said, we have something we want you to do for us. And so many people come at them. But when you understand their heart and their ambitions, that trusting God was somewhere in a completely different level for them. But initially, we hear words that they say and we think, hold on, guys. Who do you think you are asking to sit at the right hand of God? Who do you think you are asking to have such a place when we're all here too? We've served right alongside Him too. We, we've all been here. We all would like to sit at the right hand of the Lord. And so we, we look at this and we see this picture. But I see this very spirit in our world working day by day. What will you do for me? 
And I think you should do me a favor. I will labor, but I will not labor for nothing. Now, James and John, they are, they're next level committed because they're not simply just wanting a free ride. Jesus says, are you willing to drink from the cup that I am? And are you willing to go through the suffering that I'm about to endure? And they said, yes, we're, we're ready. We'll endure whatever we need to endure. They were ready. They were committed. We're not even on that level sometimes. We request and we want the right hand of God to be our place that we sit down, but we don't want to have to suffer and we don't want to drink the cup that he had to drink from. But I wonder today, are we laboring when we labor out of love or are we laboring out of lust? Are we laboring just so we give or are we laboring to get? Our world has not changed as much as we sometimes think. I said it the other day that the tactics and tools may be different, but the spirits that we are fighting today are the same spirits that God had to fight then. It's the same spirits that are at work today that were at work then. They're meant to steal, they're meant to kill, and they're meant to destroy. That's the end of it. It may look different, it may have a different face, but as they say, you can put lipstick on a pig, but at the end of the day, it's still a pig. Jesus tells his disciples, look, I am going to cut you some slack because I know how the world thinks. And I know that you've been living in this world and it has rubbed off on you a little bit. So I'm going to cut you some slack. Because the world thinks being chief means that you're the top dog. And you get to show everybody who you are and you get to prove yourself to others and tell them who you are. But you, you're going to lead Completely different modeled life. The greatest one among you will live as the one who is called to serve others. He tells them in essence, if you want a crown, there's first going to have to be a cross. And the standard of greatness in the kingdom is the standard of the cross. The world says, how many people can you rule? How many people can you be in charge of? How many people can you have in your congregation? How many people can you have in your group of followers? But God says, I'm not interested in how many you have found willing to serve you. But I want to know how many have you found that you are willing to serve? How many people are in your circle that you have brought in and said, I'm not here so that you can lift me up and brag on me and encourage me. But I'm trying to bring as many in saying, how can I serve you? How can I help you? How can I help you obtain that blessing? How can I help you see the cross? How can I help you get in that water and be baptized in the name of Jesus? That's what I am here for, is to be a facilitator. It's not about what I can extract, but what I can give. And Jesus was saying you cannot have personal success if you do not have personal sacrifice. If you want to see what I want to see, then it's going to have to require you to deny self. As the Lord was sharing this message with me, I saw two things. The first of which... was a bib. You ever worn one of these before? When I put this on... It does not speak of me ready to offer something. It does not speak of me wanting to give something. But rather it speaks of me coming to a place where I'm ready to sit down, 
open my mouth, and receive. I'm not here to bless you. I'm not here to help my brother. I'm not here to help my sister. I'm here to consume today. I'm here to get whatever the Lord has for me today. I'm here to just be fed. I'm not interested in shouting and praising and getting behind Brother Clyde He's too much for me. Brother Landon's wanting more out of me than I can offer today. You're looking at the wrong group of people, Brother Landon. We just came to sit here and be fed. There are people that go to church every Sunday and that, that word comes out of their own mouth. Preacher, I'm just here to be fed. I'm just here to get whatever you've got for me. And again, receiving the benefits of the Lord come naturally. He's going to give a blessing to you for showing up anyhow. But when you walk into the house of the Lord with your bib on every Sunday and every Wednesday, and when you go to Bible study and you go to prayer meetings, and you're just constantly wearing the bib, there's an issue. When everything is about you and how can you please me and what can you do for me. But this was the mentality they were facing. And this is why there are few laborers. Because there's more people sitting at the table ready to eat than those that are out there compelling others to come to sit at the table. They're saying, oh, come on, you just come take a seat by me. He's fixing to feed us. You, you, you can come sit by me at church. We don't have to do anything. We can just sit there and, and just do nothing. We can just sit there and, and receive the blessings of God. And God will bless you. God will give you something. God will let you leave feeling better than you came every time because that's just the kind of God He is. But me wearing a bib is not the problem. It is when the bib becomes permanent. And when I leave the house of God and I walk into my job thinking everything should revolve around me. And I go into my school thinking everything should be about me. And I go into the neighborhood thinking every time my yard should be yard of the month. Everything should be about me. Don't tell me it's not the culture that we're living in and the world that we're living in that says, me, 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 what can you do for me? How can you serve me? What's the best you can do for me? We wear bibs everywhere we go. We find ourselves in a place where we just want to be fed. There's nothing wrong with that. I think that we've all had seasons of our life where we were so barren we were so beat down, we were so discouraged that the only thing we could do is come to the house of God and just open up our mouth and say, whatever you've got, give it to me. I, I understand that we come hungry sometimes and we come desperate and we're saying, God, whatever you've got for me, I want it. We come expecting God to do something for us. But the problem is when the bib becomes part of our everyday life. The problem is that the world we live in walks around wearing bibs everywhere they go. And you know who wears bibs most of the time? Babies. Babies that can do nothing for themselves. They can't walk for themselves. They can't pray for themselves. They can't read the Bible for themselves. So there are times where that is necessary. But as people who are pursuing a life for God, there's got to be somebody that can't just be there sitting there saying, just, just, I'm here just to be blessed. But somebody to say, okay, God, I, we've got to take this another step further because somebody else is going to need you. Somebody else is going to need a blessing. Somebody else is going to need your favor. The bib is all about self. Nothing about the bib indicates there's anything for anyone else. 
Finding someone wearing a bib today is not hard to do. Finding someone who is hungry is not hard. Finding somebody who is longing for a touch from the Lord is not difficult to do. If you would be sensitive and you would open your ears and look at the people around you. I drive by people all the time that are literally grown men, grown women sobbing in their cars because they feel like they are without hope. But if I'm over there wearing my bib and I'm rolling my eyes at them weeping and I'm rolling my eyes at them talking about their struggle, they think they know what struggle is. They don't know trouble. They don't know heartache like I know heartache. But it's the other item that I saw that seems to be missing. Much like the bib, it's very similar in placement, but it comes with a different purpose. For the bib speaks of what is in it for me. The bib speaks of someone wanting to be ministered unto. But this... It says, how can I serve? How can I offer something to you? How can I give of myself to be a facilitator, to bring you into the house of God, to help you find salvation, to help you find Jesus Christ? What can I do to be the body and the arms and the hands and the feet and the mouth of Jesus Christ? What can I do today, God, that I could be a laborer and not just a consumer? What could I do? Where could I be involved in the house of God to be a part of something bigger? The world has never understood this concept. They never understood that a God who sits on a throne that we sang about a while ago would leave His throne and come into a world as a baby and wrap Himself in flesh. Philippians said He robed Himself in flesh and took upon Himself the form of a servant. Barclay said, all through history, the Jews had dreamed of conquering king, but they found a broken man on the cross. They looked for a raging lion, but they found a gentle lamb. They thought he might would come and say, I have come to take lives and conquer. But rather, he said, I came to give mine and give it a ransom. He isn't asking you to do something today that he himself has not done. But He came, even He came, not to be ministered unto, but to minister. My prayers, I've been guilty of them being God. What can you do for me today? What blessing do you have for me today? God, whatever you want to do for my life, I'll gladly receive it. And I think that that's okay. Because again, His mercies are new every morning. But far too often my prayers are never, God, what could I do for you today? Before I walk out of these doors and into my job, God, is there anything, is there anybody that I could point to you? Is there somebody that I rub shoulders with every day that I could point to you, Jesus? God, and I could be a facilitator. We like the bib, we like to be entertained, we like to be fed. Sing to me, choir, preach to me, preacher. Good beat, good song. I need something uplifting. I need something to pick me up out of the pit that I'm in. But don't change me too much. I don't want to lose who I am. I don't want to lose me. But Matthew says in the Passion, Then Jesus said to His disciples, 
If you truly want to follow me, you should at once completely reject and disown your own life. And you must be willing to share my cross and experience it as your own as you continually surrender to my ways. For if you choose self-sacrifice and lose your lives for my glory, you will continually discover true life. But if you choose to keep your lives for yourselves, you will forfeit what you try to keep. You hear me. You will never regret putting on an apron. You will never regret humbling yourselves and serving others and saying, God, I'm not trying to keep my life and keep my reputation and keep my pride. I set all of that aside, God, and I put on the apron. I'm ready to get my hands dirty. I'm ready to get down in the mud. I'm ready to reach down in the fire and pull them up out of the flames. I've come to work. I've come to labor. I've come to share the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ today. He said, for even if you were to gain all the wealth and power of this world at the cost of your own life, what good would that be? And what could be more valuable than your own soul? Don't get caught up in the culture of this world because if you're not careful, all of the we's can turn into eyes. What can I be offered? What is pastor going to say to me today that's going to change my life? What is brother Landon going to speak over me that's going to change my circumstance? What song is brother Clyde T going to pick that's just going to be the difference maker for my life today? And we put all of our hope and all of our goals on other people expecting them to get us to that place. When was the last time that you woke up and said, God, how can I serve somebody else today? How can I be a blessing to my neighbor today? How can I go pray for that one across the aisle that I know is struggling and I know has had a hard time, but I just don't have the words to say and I don't know the right things to do? God, you're going to have to teach me. God, I need a touch today. How many of you can honestly say that today? Don't, Don't worry about the apron and the bib but just you feel like, God, I really need a touch from from you today. I would pray it would be everybody in the house of the Lord. You don't have to be ashamed needing a touch from God. God, I need a touch today. God, but there may be somebody sitting beside me right now. This may be the last time they ever walk into the house of God. This may be the only time they're ever here again. And while they are here, I need a touch from you. But God, I'm going to pray for them right now. God, I'm going to serve them today. I'm going to reach over and I'm going to take them by the hand and I'm going to ask you to bless them. Remember earlier I said every person in this place is going to be a prayer warrior today? Here's why. After all that poor Job had lost and suffered, and he had gone through so much heartache and so much suffering, and he still praised God, and we love all of that and we worship. But after losing all of that, he could have easily gotten discouraged down the road. He could have easily thrown in the towel and said, you know what, I'm done. But the Bible says in Job 42, the Lord restored the fortunes of Job. Let me get my bib, Lord. I'm ready to receive all that I lost. But you didn't finish reading. The Lord restored the fortune of Job when he prayed for his friends. 
And the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. When Job was going through life and he could have had a pity party, he could have walked around with a permanent bid after all he had lost, and we would have all cut him some slack and said, we'll let Job wear his bib because he lost everything. He lost his kids, he lost his land, he lost his animals, he lost his business, he lost it all. We'll cut him some slack and he can go around just receiving everything, all the benefits of God. But he reached a point where he said, you know what, I'm going to put on an apron. Because though I need a blessing, and I need God to do something in my life, I need a touch from God today. But there's some friends of mine that need God more than I do right now. And so I'm going to stop what I'm doing. I'm going to put on an apron. I'm going to get down on my knees. And I'm going to get to work. I'm going to pray for my friends. I'm going to pray that God would heal them. I'm going to pray God would restore them. I'm going to pray that God would save their soul and save their son and their daughter. Well, Brother Lennon, I've got a son and daughter that needs saved. That's all right. You pray for your friend's children and just watch what God's going to do in your own family. Pray for the person beside you and watch what God begins to do in your life. Put on the apron and watch God begin to double your blessings and let it put a spirit of servanthood in you that says, Oh, God, I know I'm not going to outgive you, but the more you pour in, I'm going to keep pushing out. The more you give to me, I'm going to keep serving. I'm going to keep blessing others. I'm going to keep giving of myself. Now, I can be ministered unto and wait on someone to come pray for me. And I can wait on someone to come encourage me and someone to tell me that God loves me. Or I can say, you know, I do need a touch from God today. But oh, what would happen in this place if every person became selfless? Every person became selfless and said, God, I'm here today to follow after your example. I'm going to lead a different way today. I'm not going to come in the way I typically do. I'm not going to pray the way I usually pray. But God, I'm going to lead by example. And I'm going to lead after your following. God, and I'm going to obey your voice and your nudge. And I'm going to surrender to you. God, let me see past me and let me see the needs of those that are around me. Don't let me get caught up in the selfishness of the hour. It was JFK who's credited to have spoken this word. Ask not what your country can do for you. Ask what you can do for your country. And while he may have said that, it was Jesus who implied this principle a long, long time ago. He said, whoever will be great among you, let him be your minister. Woo! To somebody, that's payday. To somebody, that's promotion. That sounds like I have finally arrived. Minister status. I've paid my dues. I've served. And now it's time I get to be served. I've heard a leader say that before. Well, we've earned... Our stripes. The only one who got stripes was Jesus. And he didn't earn those. He took them. You deserved them. You deserved those stripes. And he took them upon himself and said, I'm taking this on your behalf. So I will become nothing so that you can become something someday. Now I've reached greatness and I get to be minister. Did you hear that? Whoever's great among you, he gets to be minister. 
We look around for greatness. Ooh, they're going to get to be minister. Ooh, they're going to get to be minister. But don't think for one second that they were fooled. For they knew what he really meant. And in case they misunderstood, he wasn't done yet. He said, whoever is chief, let him be your servant. Wait, what? I thought if I was here, then I was over everybody else. I thought if I was in this place, everybody ministered unto me. Meanwhile, Jesus is on his throne. Did I not show you? Did I not lead by example? Did I not show you the way to truly lead? When he took his disciples in that room that night, that last moment with him, all the things he could have done, all the things he could have told them, he could have given them a plan and of action and told them, if you'll lay hands on them like this and, and you'll spit in the mud like I did and you'll, you'll do all these things. You'll be great. You'll, be, you'll draw all kinds of crowds. But no, he went and grabbed a bowl of water and a towel and he got down and began to wash their feet. Oh, God, don't. Don't do that. I, I should be washing your feet. I, you don't understand. If you don't let me wash your feet. If you don't let me serve you. If you don't let me be a facilitator today. Then you can have no place with me. Then he got it. Because then he said, oh. Then wash my head. Then wash my hands. And wa wash all of me. I, I want to be completely intertwine in, in who you are and what you are doing, oh God. And you have taught me a valuable lesson tonight that I've got to lead those who I serve and I've got to serve those that I lead. He said, even I, even I came not to be ministered unto, but to minister. There are more ways to minister that do not involve this pulpit. There are more ways to be used by God that are not up here on this platform. You are here a fraction of the time in this building compared to what you are out there. You say, well, Brother, Brother Landon, I'm not, I'm not used in Sunday school classes. I'm not you. you know what? There's probably a place for you, but the best place for you to be used by God is outside of these walls to tell others about God, to tell others about His goodness, to compel them to come in and help them find a place. But we don't, we, we don't want that because that's us wearing the apron. That's us wearing the work clothes. That's us being a little more involved than we might like to be. The word minister is somehow misunderstood even though Jesus painted it so very clearly for us. He modeled it so very clearly for us. Matthew 20 says, let him be a minister. But it also goes on to say, let him be your servant. So to be a minister literally means to be a servant, an attendant, to serve, to wait upon, to wait at a table and offer food and drink to guests, to provide and help take care of, to distribute things necessary to sustain life, to take care of the poor and the sick, to attend to anything that may serve another. I would have a really hard time doing that wearing a bib. 
I would have a really hard time doing that when I'm just worried about what's in it for me. But when I put on the apron and I say, how can I serve others? Then I have reached ministry status. And I could be who God has called me. <laughs> ministry is not always glamorous. Ministry is not always a walk in the park. There is hurt. There's ridicule. There's shame. But oh, there is so much beauty. There is so much joy. There is so much blessing. To see that God was able to use you in such a way that others could be led to Him. When you finally see the tears begin to fall. When you finally see that one you've been witnessing to walk into the house of the Lord. And come and they say, okay, I'm ready. All that we've been talking about, every Bible study I've been a part of, I'm ready. I'm wanting to receive it. I'm ready to walk into it. Oh, the joy that we should feel when that happens. You say, well, how could I do that? Well, Second Peter says, If any man minister, let him do it as the ability which God giveth. God's gave you the ability to do it. God's put something inside of you that has given you the opportunity to do it. Now you've just got to get in there and do it. Be a laborer for God. Every believer may not be willing, but every one of you is capable. From the greatest to the least, you're capable. There was a pastor who mentioned he had hired someone new at his church who would walk by and never speak to anyone. He never smiled, never greeted the guests, never shook their hand. He simply just wanted the microphone when it was his turn. He said, one Sunday I waited until we were alone and this young man walked by and I stopped him and I said, excuse me, son, what is it that you are called to do? Well, sir, I, pastor, I, I'm called the minister. The pastor then said, well, you just failed because you walked right past your job. Obviously, he didn't work there very much longer. But oh, how I wish we could get a hold of this today. That God, whatever it looks like to be a facilitator to somebody, to be a minister, to work, to labor, to not be ministered unto, but to minister. As I prayed in here yesterday, I, I saw a crowd of people, and then I saw the altar, and then I saw this void, and I couldn't help but think about when Lazarus was outside the gate, and the rich man was inside, the rich man who had everything, he wore the bib, he was served all day long, scripture says he had surrounded himself with all of the good pleasures of life. He had surrounded himself with all the good things. Bring it on. And then here's that Lazarus outside the gate who had nothing. But when death came to both of them, one of them found themselves in a place called hell and one in a place called glory. And it was the one who had nothing who had obtained everything. And the one who had been fed everything, had everything you could ask or want, and he had everything he wanted. And yet now he was in a place where he had nothing. And he said, Abraham, would you just let Lazarus get some water and put it on the tip of my tongue? 
now would you, now would you work in this situation and would you allow, allow us to bridge this gap? And Abraham said, oh, that gap is too great. Even if somebody wanted to, they could not get to where you are today. That stung so badly. And I prayed, God, whatever gap may be here today that would keep somebody here from being here. Before it's too late, God, help me be a facilitator. And I laid here and I thought about this gap and I laid right here, right in the middle of the floor as far as I could until my fingertips touched this altar. And I said, God, let me somehow be a bridge. From the pew to the platform, oh God. From the pew to the altar. God, that somebody could make their way across today. God, I know it looks shameful and embarrassing to have my face in the carpet. I know I probably look silly. God, but I want people to cross. God, they may step on me. It may hurt. God, I may feel the weight of the world on my shoulders as they're walking from one point to another. But God, if when I sit up, if when I sit up there were people at the altar, if there were people giving their life to You, if there were people that somehow were able to find you because I laid my life down. You said greater love hath no man than a man that would be willing to lay down his life for a friend. I'm not here today for the glory. I'm not here today for the accolades. I'm not here today for myself. I've got an apron on. I'm ready to be used by you. I'm ready to serve you. I'm ready to serve my neighbor. God, let me be a bridge. Let my family cross over. Let my friends cross over. God, whatever it takes to see them saved. God, let me be the bridge. Let's stand all over this house right now. Oh, come on, it takes an humbling to put this on. It takes humility to wear this garment. But even Scripture said, If my people which are called by my name would humble themselves before they pray, they've got to humble themselves. They've got to get in a position, oh, where they are humble before me. If they would do that first, everything else will begin to come naturally. God, today, whatever's in my life that has caused me to wear a bib, and to live selfishly I remove it today I want to serve my brothers that are around me I want to take the hand of the one beside me right now God I want to be a facilitator I want to see them healed I want to see them saved I want to see them continue living for you I want to see their marriage salvaged I want to see their children saved God it's not all about me 
Tell you what I want right now in the Holy Ghost. I want every person in this place to begin to repent and ask God to wash you clean. That old way of life, that selfishness, oh, that selfishness that has gotten in us unaware perhaps and say, God, I remove the bib, I remove this thing that has caused me to live so selfishly. But God, right now I'm putting on an apron. God, because there's people here that need you. They may never come in this place again, and they need you. I've got to be sensitive. I've got to work. I've got to labor. If you've never received the gift of the Holy Ghost before, lift your hands right now and let somebody see you. Let somebody see you and you say, Preacher, I want it. I want it just like the Bible says. I want it just like His Word says. If you'll lift your hands, I believe there's some facilitators in the house today that are going to come over and take you by the hand. And they're going to begin to pray with you and talk to you about being baptized in the name of Jesus. They're going to talk to you about asking God to forgive you and repenting of your sins. And you're going to speak in a heavenly language. You're going to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost today because there's a people ready to work for God. They're ready to serve. They're ready to do something today.